Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, hello and good morning. Welcome to the Stochastic.com NFL Sim Strategy Show Week 18. Wrapping up the season, man. No crazier time of year, I'll tell you that much. Nothing. I mean, some of the guys that you're playing this week, it'll be like, honestly, it'll be like you're playing some preseason football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not all of them. Not all, that. That's the crazy part, right? Because it's not all of them, but it's some of them. And it's going to open up a lot. Like opportunity cost means less in a slate like this with some of these players. And and you're going to be getting running backs and wide receivers and quarterbacks, maybe even that are that you'll you'll put it this way, you'll likely never play them again. Right? <laughs> you'll, you'll likely never play them again. And if you do, it'll be week 18 of next season. So uh if there were if there was ever a time for you guys to sit down, get comfortable. And hang out for a sim strategy show. If you missed it all season long, no big deal. This is the this is the week. This is the week because I haven't looked. I'm going in blind. Joined by Greg Ehrenberg, as always. And I assume you're going in blind as well. Yeah, and not only am I going in blind, I'm going in blind with zero idea what our sims could possibly give us for this week because it's it's such a unique week, like you'd said. It's it's week 18. The majority of the games do not matter for these teams. There's a lot of backups playing. There's a lot of rest going on. And the teams that actually are playing some of them, it's like the shittiest teams in the league, which kind of are the equivalent of the backups for a lot of teams anyway. So I'm interested to see what that means for our stack exposures. What Does that mean we get to more QB plus threes this week, more QB plus ones? I really don't know what's going to happen because we didn't have the Sims in previous years. So I have no, no like base level of expectation for what we could be getting to this week. Me neither. Now I want to do this. Well, actually I do be only because I've done shows all week and I've dug into a lot of these teams, but I haven't looked at the Sims. Right. Uh, and of course, leading up until Sunday, there's no doubt things are going to change. Like, you know, if we're running lineups now, it'll give us an idea, but we're going to get more news. I, I, I'm almost certain of it. We'll get more news on a slate like this. Two things I want to do, Greg, before we, we look into the Sims. And of course, Jacob uh, behind the, the controls today, as always, doing a great job helping us out with these sims, navigating them, and being able to show you guys exactly what we're looking at uh, on the NFL Sims tool. So two things I want to do. One, I just want to kind of lay the foundation in the sense of like, what teams have 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 something to play for. And then I wanted to get in just a bit of strategy, a bit of game theory. Only take us a couple minutes, but uh, here, here's here's where I think it's worthwhile. So if you're talking about, and let me pull this up real quick. This will do us. Uh, this will do us a favor, because if if we know what teams have something to play for and what teams don't, 
then it's going to make a lot more sense. Like when the, when the Jordan Masons pop up or, you know, the Pierre Strong's pop up, then we go, all right, well, that makes sense. So here's the deal. Teams that are likely resting everybody of, of relevance, Ravens are Saturday or whatever, but Browns, Chiefs, Rams, and Niners. The one that I'm not sure of, even though he said he's going to start his starters, but we don't know how long. And the line on that last I looked was only three points is Dan Campbell's Giants. So that's one. Pay attention Lions. to a Lions. I'm sorry. Yeah, Lions. And then you got teams that they're just going to play. They're out of contention, but they're going to play. The Titans, the Bengals, Jets, Patriots, Panthers, Bears, Broncos, Raiders, Giants, Cardinals, Chargers, Commanders. Not all of them are going to be worthwhile this week. But then here's the ones that actually have to win, Greg. Steelers, Texans, Colts, Jags, Vikings, Falcons, Saints, Bucks, Packers, Eagles, and then Seahawks, Cowboys, and Dolphins. Not all of them on the slate. I'm just reading them all up. Do you see any noticeable difference between the teams that need to win to get in and the teams that are out of playoff contention but are still going to play their starters? Yeah, it's really hard to trust some of those scenarios. Like you mentioned the Lions there, where we do have the soundbite from Dan Campbell who said he's going to play his starters. But what does that mean? Does it mean they play a series? Does it mean they play two series? You need so right. much to go your way in order for that to pay off. For starters, you actually need the starters to play the entire game but then beyond that you actually need them to play well so there's so much variability and so much to take into account there and it's also very hard to project for so if we were to run the sims and i see that we're getting to a good amount of lines i would de-boost them and just take them out because of that i honestly would too i would too um what what, what do you think the line should be on that let's say this was a week 15 game in detroit with Nick Mullins starting, like, what do you think a, a fair line on this should be? Probably line seven and a half. That's what I was going to say. Seven. Yeah. So it's three right now. And I think the books are on. I, I think this is just a hedge line as well. I don't really think there's any certainty. I'm with you though. There are 13 games. There are 26 teams, 25 other teams to choose from. Do we really need to take a firm stand on a team that might bench their starters after a quarter or, or a half. Yeah, definitely not. And I think we're on the same page with that. There's there's too much risk. It's also a big slate. It's 13 games. There's a yep. lot of spots to choose from. So I, I do think that this is one where narratives matter more in week 18. They probably are going to matter in any sport for any DFS sport in any particular slate that we're going to have. So we really do have to pay attention to some of these situations that teams are in because motivation could really impact how teams play, who they play, and how much they play. So Lions, an easy team for me to avoid. Jake DeWitt, I want to get into these two comments because I think this is important. Said, part of my process this week might be simply eliminating entire teams and probably games. So I don't ever want to get too extreme on something like that, right? I don't know if there are games that I'm eliminating. I'm looking at this now. I don't think there's a single game specifically that I'm going to be eliminating. No, I can say with certainty that that's not the case. Do, do, do I end up not getting a lot of Patriots and Jets? Sure. It's entirely possible. I'm not eliminating them. But like you said, as far as de-boosting the Lions goes, there are maybe a couple teams that I could be avoiding. I think right now, though, it's only the Lions. 
Same for me. I mean, I'll, I'll maybe get a better feel for it after we run the Sims and we see what we're getting to. But if I was just building lineups right now and, and we were saying, like what Jake had mentioned, where we're just eliminating a team, the only team that I'm taking out entirely would be the Lions. And then as for these other teams, like it's it's very unlikely we get to any kind of significant amount of like the Jets passing game exactly. or some of these other spots. But like if I was playing 150 lineups and I got to like one, two percent of some of these guys, I'm not like panicking over it. Exactly. Right. Like how much Kansas City, how many Kansas City backups do I think I'm going to get to? I have no idea, but I'm not eliminating. I'm not manually eliminating those teams. That That's that's what we're saying here. Uh, and then Rance said, load up on meaningful games. I don't know. Week 18 sucks. So that's another thing, right? Meaningful games is good, but there's also games that aren't as meaningful that are going to provide some value. Like San Francisco, I don't think is a crazy one. Are these offenses going to be vanilla? They certainly are. But at the same time, Greg, you can't just ignore the fact that this game has a 41-point total. That is actually in the middle of the slate. I think there's six games with a higher total than it. So this is not a 33-point preseason total, right? This is a 41-point total. I'm not just removing those games and only targeting games that matter either. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people are going to look and be like, oh my God, the starting quarterbacks are Sam Darnold and Carson Wentz. But it's backups on both sides of the game. It's going to be backup defenses. Exactly. And so it's it's very much like a preseason game, which you had mentioned at the top of the show. And then you start to look at like, all right, the total, is it low? Kind of, but not like insanely low or anything like that. And you consider the price points of these guys. I mean, we've got, let's see, Sam Darnold is 5,200. Then we've got Carson Wentz is 4,500, and it's going to be all backups playing. Like, it's not crazy to think that you could get, you know, two, three touchdowns out of some of these offenses, which given the price points of the players that are expected to play, that it could be good value. Exactly. Kevin asks, and guys, I know we're doing a little bit different format than we usually do, but this is, it's a unique week. Uh, do we give more value to teams that need a win? Well, that's kind of what Greg and I are saying. I, I don't necessarily think you you do, right? Because uh, here, here's an example, right? Like take Minnesota. They need a win. Do I like Justin Jefferson this week? Yeah, I mean, I think Justin Jefferson uh, probably in a, in a pretty good spot. But then if you were to take a team like Chicago, they don't need to win. But I have zero doubt that Chicago comes out there I, I, I'm very confident they're going to come out there, play full four quarters, a team free rolling into the first overall pick, looking to play spoiler against the Packers and be a divisional spot to wipe them to wipe them out of the playoffs back-to-back years like the Lions did last year. There's no way I look at the, the Bears and put them on a lower level just because they don't need a win. So, yeah, like even the Raiders, I don't love the Raiders this week, but the, you, could, you could argue that they're out there and they're going to play for uh, Antonio Pierce and they're going to, they're going to go full four full four quarters, no different than what they would have done last week or the week before that. So, no, I think needing a win is good, right? But a lot of these teams that need a win, Greg, are playing a team that needs a win too. So, for all we know, you get locked into a defensive battle. Yeah, and then something else to consider also is that, you know, don't forget, our projections take the betting lines into account. Right. So, if you're looking at a team where it's like, oh, this team needs a win, and they're playing against a team that doesn't need a win, and if you're trying to prioritize those players for those reasons, you could be double counting that in the projections because the projection is already accounting for the fact. Like, I can't think of like an exact team to use an ex- as an example for this right now. But if a team is favored by ten points because they need a because te- they need to win this weekend, and you're saying now like. 
oh, okay, I'm only playing these guys, or I'm going to boost their projections in the Sims tool for that. Our projections are already taking that into account, that information. Yeah, great point. And last one, Troy asked, does stacking become even more in play this week with only eight ten to 10 teams having anything to play for? No. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't think so at all. I mean, you think, again, there's teams that don't have anything to play for, but if they're still playing, they're still playing. Like, they're still going to try to win. So, no, I, you, I don't. You should be I, stacking anyway on the exactly. 13-game slate. So, it's should you be stacking this week? Yes, but you should have been stacking every other week exactly, as well. Exactly. It's not like you should be playing, you know, like a, a naked Patrick Mahomes at QB. Just because the Texans need or the Jags need to win doesn't mean that like a Lawrence triple stack is better this week than it was last week. Yeah, no, totally agree. Now watch, we're about to run lineups and it's probably going to be like a Lawrence triple stack is the first lineup on the screen. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It doesn't mean it's bad. It just doesn't mean last week it was it was any worse, you know, assuming that, of course, he played, which he didn't. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Guys, if you haven't done so yet, take one single second atone for your sins here on a Friday morning. Hit that thumbs up. goes a very long way for us, and we appreciate you greatly. Subscribe to the channel. You know, I was thinking about this, man. Like, I know the, I know the DFS industry uh, isn't growing at the same pace it once did, but we're, uh, we're less than 5,000 subs away from 100,000 on a DFS channel. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's, and uh, if you guys aren't following us on our betting channel, Odd Shopper, we've already surpassed 100,000 over there, but we're making our way there on the DFS channel as well. Yeah. Which is crazy because we only started that channel two years ago, but betting's blowing up, man. Yeah, Odd Shopper, whatever. Subscribe, leave a comment down below if you haven't done so yet. Much appreciated all of the support. We try and read and respond to all those comments too. If you're someone, you may or work, you're doing something, you've got prior obligations, you want to watch this after the fact, we see you out there. All right, Jacob, the big reveal, the great reveal. Let's do it. Let's see what the number – now, by the way, the top simmed ROI lineup doesn't mean that, like, this is the greatest lineup ever. It's just the highest simmed ROI after running these simulations, you know, this contest simulation 40,000 times. But looking at some of these top lineups at least gives us an idea of, of some of the lineups out of the gate that we're seeing. And, wow, it looks like a blend, Greg. Look at that. Mullins, Hertz, Smith, Carr, Mullins car, Browning, Browning car. I was wondering if this might happen where there's so much value on this slate, like more value you're going to find on week 18 NFL than in any other week by a mile for NFL. So what it looks like that's happening or what that's doing to the Sims here is we have lineups that are just at first glance, you're pretty heavy stars and scrubs. And then the stacking options way different than what we've seen in other weeks where Typically, our stacks are geared a little bit more towards QB plus two, QB plus three, because the Sims often identify that as the best way to create the most upside possible on NFL slates. But it's not the case for this week where you don't need quite as much correlation to find an upside when there are so many players that are mispriced. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and yeah, I, I was saying this at the top of the show, too, that like opportunity cost doesn't mean as much this week, Greg, like yeah. at all. You know, Ben and I have talked every week since Rashad White's price point got bumped up like to that mid-7K range. And every week it's like, well, wouldn't you rather just play Kyron Williams, right? Wouldn't you rather just play Christian McCaffrey? Wouldn't you rather just go into the six mid-6K range and grab some of those guys? On a week like this, though, and I'm not even saying we're going to get a lot of Rashad White. All I'm saying is the Rashad White opportunity cost isn't nearly as high as it's been in the past because 
you're going to have the opportunity to play like several near min salary basement dweller players who are going to get full workloads and full snap shares this week. Yeah, and uh, I do like what that's doing to our QB exposures, with which you had brought up. I see Fel- uh, Felix Castro in the chat brought it up, said a lot of different QBs. And yet we have these lineups, which I it looks like we kind of have like a core group of spend-up options at wide receiver, a core group of value options at running back. And this could end up looking maybe a little bit different look at our total exposure. I'm just kind of basing this based on the top like 15, 20 lineups that are on screen. And using that as my sample size, I'm working off of. But it's we've got like this core group of value and pay up options, and then we're plugging stacks in around those. And it's just way different in terms of the different QBs and the stacks that we're getting in different ones here. Where I mean, we've got Minnesota, Philly, Seattle, New Orleans, uh, Cincinnati. So it's all different kinds of teams. It doesn't look like there's going to be one quarterback we have in like 30% of lineups or anything this week. One thing I would, one thing though is I'm not convinced Alvin Kamara plays. He hasn't practiced yet. We have him in a lot of these lineups. My guess is that if he's out, our Derek Carr exposure goes down a ton. And we could do that also after we check out our lineups here and the exposures. We could do an ROI boost and just go like negative 200% on Kamara. Or do we, or should we just give him a zero projection? The problem with that is that we'd have to adjust the other projections, but would that make more sense to just zero him out to get somewhat of an idea? So the way that I would do this, if we were to like redo lineups right now, is I'd actually go into the contest generator and just take Alvin Kamara out. It wouldn't be perfect because it wouldn't give like any of the backup running backs. Like I assume Miller would probably end up playing more in that kind of case. I have to look more at the Saints depth chart because I forget who they have available. Yeah, uh, Williams Williams. and... Who else would they give run to? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, so it would be Williams and I guess Miller's Kendra Miller's questionable. Out. Yeah. So if Miller's out, then for sure, Williams would be a guy $5,200 would be getting to a lot of. Uh, so I think if we were just to do this to like rebalance the exposures, it wouldn't give us Jamal Williams lineups because he's not projected for much ownership right now. But if we did go to the contest generator and rerun lineups and just X Alvin Kamara out entirely, that would also be probably the more sensible way to do it if we're building lives at this point in the week. Yeah, let's look through a couple of things. Then, Jacob, we'll go and do that because I'll be honest. I, If Jamal Williams ended up being chalk, I would love to get away from that personally because like, Taysom Hill is still there. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's just a gross situation. That anytime you have that type of chalk on that team, man, it, it ends poorly. But whatever. I don't, I don't want to inject my own thoughts into it. Uh, I, I do think, though, Greg, you're looking at these Derek Carr stacks. They're all going to have Alvin Kamara. If you take him out, but J- Jacob, actually, for the sake of just do me a favor, go into exposure or go into ROI boosts, and let's just massively deboost Kamara and then favor these. This would be the simplest way for now. Like you said, just do like 200%. Because this will save us some time for now, Greg. Yeah. No, makes sense. And then, to, and then also to your point about the Saints, like, yeah, we've got 
Jamal Williams would probably be the lead back. We got Taysom Hill. Here's a very inexact science. The higher owned Jamal Williams is on Sunday, the more likely Taysom Hill is to score a touchdown. That is not <laughs> exactly. science related. This is just based on every single time I've tilted a Taysom Hill touchdown over the last couple of years. Every single time, man. And there's just so many different ways that they can ruin your day when it comes to the to the New Orleans Saints. It really is. All right, so now let's see what we got. Jalen Hurts, that lineup is up top. Mm-hmm. With A.J. Brown, DeMar Douglas, Christian Kirk, Trey McBride. Also, do we think Devontae Smith plays? Because that's another spot where uh, I would say no. I would say definitely not, that he's not in there. So the I was Eric and I went back and forth on this yesterday. I was telling him how much I love the Eagles with Hurts and Brown this week. And he was opposed to it, but that's a spot that if we end up getting a lot of that, I'm all about it. Uh, I see some Justin Fields in there. Uh, I, I love that getting DJ Moore QB one stacks with Justin Fields. That's great. Now, of course, Nick Sirianni has said that he's thinking about sitting his starters. So do we end up putting him in the same bucket as Dan Campbell's Lions? Maybe, but we can't do that quite yet uh, because they technically do still have something to play for. It's different than, I mean, yes, the Lions do too, but the Eagles and the Cowboys need to lose for the Lions to get the two seed. For the Eagles to get the two seed, just the Cowboys need to lose. Still a tall order and unlikely, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and something to add to that is they play at the same time, which the NFL does that with the schedule for week 18, previously week 17, is they try to group teams that have correlated spots in the standings in the the same time slot. So it's not going to be a thing where it's like, Oh, look, the Cowboys win in the 1 p.m. game, so therefore the Eagles aren't going to play their exactly. guys in the four. So that that is something to note as well, is that it's not like we're waiting on an if-then scenario for 1 p.m. games for 4 p.m. Exactly, yeah. And hell, another reason they do that is because, like, what if the, the Cowboys are in the 1 p.m. window, Eagles were in the 4 p.m. window, Cowboys win, Eagles sit all their starters, but the team that they're going up against has a reason to win that game and then it, it hurts another team. Like that happened a few years ago. Everyone was so mad at the Eagles because yeah. they sat their starters against um, Washington. So I think it was Giants fans that were mad. But it's like, you know what? Don't limp Don't limp into the end of the season at like – I think they were 7-9 and nine or something. And they're like, that's bullshit. We should have made the playoffs. Well, come on. You were 7-9. and nine. <laughs> So anyway – that also, uh, one, one other point here, that used to open up great betting angles too. And same with like end of NBA season mm-hmm. type stuff is before they were kind of making the schedule more uh, creative and they were making it more purposed in terms of when the team's games were, there was a point in time where you would be able to say like, oh, okay, if this team wins, this team is going to rest starters in the 4 p.m. games. So then based on the score, you could really go quickly and bet a 4 p.m. game. So unfortunately, that's lost as a betting angle in this as well. Yeah, it's completely lost. But hey, now we're talking about something where you have what you're you've got uh Jalen Hurts and I see a Justin Fields lineup. What's one thing that stands out to you this week? I, w- I want you to look at this. Something we've discussed. It's been a theme of our shows all season long. There's one thing that jumps off the page to me. I am going to guess that it is none of these top lineups, Lofty. None of them have a tight end in the flex spot. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's no. not it, but it oh, makes okay. sense because usually the reason there's a tight end in the flex is because you, the, the very cheap players at other positions don't project very well. 
Um, and, and of course, like you look at minimum salary at tight end, it's $2,500 at running back. It's $4,000. So oftentimes you project similarly, similarly, you're getting better value there, but also a product of a week 18 slate where we're getting a lot of this value. How many QB plus three lineups do you see? As a matter of fact, look how many QB plus one lineups there are. Yeah. Almost, almost none, which is what what we were talking about before in terms of the way that the lineups are being built out here is typically on these NFL slates, there isn't just like a massive amount of value. Whereas in NBA, you could very often build lineups. Just these are the best points per dollar plays. And there's a pretty good chance you're building good lineups. There isn't really an equivalent of that for football. There's a lot of variance. And then also the players are highly correlated. So given that there's a lack of just tremendous points per dollar value option on most slate, the way the Sims simulate out all the lineups, it often finds like, hey, the lineups have the most upside. It's these lineups that are double and triple stacks. That's just not the case this week because when you could get so many players that are mispriced from a points per dollar sense, that's going to be more valuable than players being stacked and runbacks. I think when you look at a slate like this, it is overwhelming at first, but the more you dig in, the more fun it kind of becomes because this is kind of, Greg, this is kind of like a season within a season. This is like strategy within strategy. And 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 to some extent, not forgetting everything you know about what we've seen on this show all year long, but definitely having to be malleable and, and change some things. The QB plus one, the QB plus two, with no tight ends in the flex, which you astutely pointed out, uh, these are very different lineups than we would have seen all season long. So what the Sims tool is telling us that, like this week, different lineups are the highest ROI because of what's available on this slate. Um, whereas oftentimes you don't have that that availability to just plug any cheap 4K guy like Jordan Mason into the flex spot, um, you know, or whatever he's priced at, you know, or Pierre Strong. It's It's way different. And also, is this suggesting because we have so much good value, the correlation, we had a question about stacking. The correlation is actually less important on a large scale on this site than it would be on other sites. Yeah, for sure. Because everything that you're trying to do in a tournament is you're trying to take first place. And the way you do that is you need players to outperform their salaries so that you're creating some kind of upside. And when you're looking at a slate that has no pricing value at all, then you're really more inclined to stack because how else are you going to create upside? If you're just taking individual players from different games you might like for whatever reason, well, okay, but there's no real value in those individual players. And it does become really hard for that lineup to have upside. Not the case this week when there's so many backups that are going to be in really prominent roles that are like $4,600 in the case of like a Jordan Mason. I'm fairly sure that's what his price point is. Or somebody like, uh, I saw Ronnie Bell showing up in a lot of lineups, who's probably going to be the most targeted pass catcher for the 49ers this weekend. So it does really change the way that the that the lineups look. Yep. And Jake said, I just think there's, I just saw this now, but perfect. I just think there's so much potential value and good point per dollar plays that I'd rather play those while sacrificing some in-game correlation. Yeah, look, that's exactly what the Sims tool is showing us right now. It's not fully fading correlation, right? Like there's, I see some, some Jake Browning, plus uh, Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd. For what it's worth, I don't know if Higgins is out, but I'm very doubtful that he plays in the let's see let me just make sure there's no way he's playing he was a decoy last week there's no way so and yeah like a jake browning jamar chase tyler boyd or or um 
Tanner Hudson lineup against the Browns team that has the five seed locked up and is sitting a lot of their starters. I have no issues with that at all, Greg. But nope. yeah, don't need to jam QB plus three this week. With that said, did you see while, while Jacob was scrolling through it caught my eye? There was only one QB plus three stack I saw that was showing up in our top lineups. Or oh no, there was there's another one, Dallas. One of the other ones actually was a Trevor Lawrence triple stack, which I was hoping was really? was be, yeah, I, I was hoping that was gonna be the only one in our top 150, but there's a Dallas one in there as well. There it is. Yeah, QB plus three, and then there's a Raiders one under there too. But yeah, it's it's a, a way more single stacks than we've seen on any other week. Typically, the Sims give us hardly any single stack lineups. For sure. And yeah, that Trevor Lawrence triple is definitely because, uh, definitely given just the $3,000 Christian Kirk. Yeah, which is a totally broken price tag. I'm curious to see how many lineups. Well, number one, I want to make sure that he's actually going to end up playing this week. That is still a little bit up in the air, although it seems to be trending towards him being more likely to play than sit. But I'm also kind of curious to see what our exposure ends up being to Christian Kirk because uh, his price tag just got fucked up. They, they zeroed him out basically to 3K and they didn't update his price for this week. It's bad. All right, so now we got a pretty good lay of the land, pretty good idea here. Let's go to our exposures and see what we've got. We'll go to we'll, we'll go to stack exposures first. I don't want you to look, Greg. I don't want you to okay. look. Um, let's oh. let's sort by QB plus one first. All right, I'm not looking at the screen. I, man, if you get this, I'm not going to get it. There's no <laughs> there's no chance. Well, you got to try. One guy head and shoulders above. And by the way, I totally understand it. Okay. I'm pulling up our top stacks tool, which might be cheating a little bit, but I just want- Totally like, cheating. I want some kind of reference, but I also have to remember who the quarterbacks are this week. <laughs> do you want me to just tell you, or do you want to take one guess? No, no, no. So what am I, am I guessing who showed up the most? Who showed up the most with QB plus one? And it's a lot. He also showed up the most, I believe, at QB plus two. Jacob, sort by QB plus two without Greg looking here. Let me see if he's also, yep. Yeah, so essentially, it's our highest exposed quarterback. Is it Nick Mullins? He nailed it. Yeah. So it, this it's not necessarily cheating as much as I noticed he was at a lot of our top lineups when we were looking at them before. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and hey, look, it makes sense on, first of all, what if Detroit does not play their starters on defense in the second half? That's significant. The The Vikings in the 1 p.m. window have something to play for. They still have to win this game, right? Um, so while their chances are minuscule of getting in, they're not just going to lay down. There's no way they're going to – they've been fighting all season long with, you know, duct tape patching this team together. I get it. Like Justin Jeff, excuse me, Justin Jefferson, Nick Mullins. The question I have now, would be since TJ Hawkinson is out, is it Craig? Is it is it gonna be Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison lineups in that eleven percent QB plus two? Who it could also be who is their who's their I mean it could be KJ right Osborne, but or Ty Ty Chandler at running back. Could be Chandler, but then also let me look at Minnesota's depth chart. What are you thinking like Johnny Munn? Is that who their second tight end is? And what's his price? Yeah. He has to be min price, or at least close to min price. 
not 3K, a little bit more expensive than what I thought. Uh, so maybe some Mun lineups. Uh, he did he did get targeted seven times last week. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of our more, one of our more rostered tight ends. All right. Well, let's actually see. Let's go to tight end real quick, and then we'll go to wide receiver. Because you know, you know, Justin Jefferson's the for sure the number one in those stacks. Yes, he's probably in every one of them. All right, there you go. Good call. So nine percent Johnny Munn. Now go to wide receiver here. Fifty-two percent Jefferson. Ten percent Addison. So there you have it. Yep, you're right. It's both of them. Yeah, and then a Christian Kirk. No surprise there that he's showing up in nearly sixty percent of lineups and. It's if this was any other week, we would have like 90% of Christian Kirk, yeah. but it, it speaks to how much value there is that Kirk only shows up in about half of lineups at the Flatman price. Dude, I want to get away from Kirk so badly this week. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's the right move, but I want like just everything in me wants to get away from him this week, especially if Zay Jones is back. And then you've got ETN, Ridley, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk. Like, that's five guys in the rotation right there. They can all get the ball. They spread it out so much. Dude, if Kirk really ends up being north of 30% owned on an on a 13-game week 18 slate, that'll be the toughest decision for me to make, and I may go the opposite route. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly not a lack of value for you to get to other guys instead. Like, I mean, you go and look at, I mean, Ronnie Bell. He has to be super cheap this week as well. He's 3,200. Yeah, so 3,200 Ronnie Bell. He's only projected for 4% ownership in the contest generator right now. And we're well overweight to the field on Ronnie Bell. So I'm sure that if you went and you did like a little bit of an ROI, downgrade to Christian Kirk, did an upgrade to Ronnie Bell that – I could certainly see a scenario where Ronnie Bell scores more fantasy points than Christian Kirk. Uh, if you up Ronnie Bell, it'll probably also increase your exposure to Sam Darnold, which normally I'd be like, ew, I don't want to play more Sam Darnold. I don't care for this week, though. I'm going to ask you to explain something a little more eloquently than I'd be able to, okay, with the Sims tool. So, Jacob, if you if you click, click on lineups for a second and you look at our highest Sim ROI lineup, it's a Jalen Hurts single with A.J. Brown. Now go to exposures and go to stack exposures. We have 1.3% out of 150 Jalen Hurts lineups. So that's what, two two Jalen Hurts stacks here? Both single stack? Would that be yep. two? Yep, two. And then go to uh, wide receivers real quick. And we'll just find – or we could just go to A.J. Brown, but we can scroll down. This is fine. AJ Brown is 1%. So he, the only, in all likelihood, the only AJ Brown lineups are in those two Jalen Hurts lineups. So for someone that goes, all right, how do I explain this? It's the, the highest SIM ROI lineup in these 40,000 simulations we ran, but then we're getting to no Jalen Hurts anywhere else. Yeah, so, I mean, the best answer is really just kind of coincidental where the majority of the Eagles lineups we built, for whatever reason, were not great lineups. This one particular lineup ended up crushing. So let's go back to the lineup and see who else is in it. And then I also, can you filter here by stack and just go Philly? I want to see, see what looks different about this lineup compared to some of the other 
Eagles lineups. All right, so this lineup has Zeke in it. It's got Demario Douglas, Christian Kirk. So it's some of the same players as the lineup that we have below. By the way, the lineup below also projects quite well. Uh, but then there is a pretty big drop-off between these two lineups and the other ones. And it looks like one of the main reasons is that there were not very many other Eagles lineups that had Tony Pollard in them and Pollard projecting fairly well for us. Uh, let's see what else could possibly be different. Defenses are about the same. Jordan Mason is in most of the lineups, although not in, no, he's in most of these. So yeah, just this individual lineup ended up projecting a lot better than the other ones. And by the way, also Lofty, like last week I came in third in the $5 on DraftKings. I only had one Giants double stack. I think it was last week with Tyrod Taylor. Most of the lineups I had with Tyrod Taylor were single stacks. But the one double stack I had of him just happened to end up coming in third. And that's so it was like my only good lineup last week. Also, I had 149 shit lineups and one good lineup that covered the entire slate. And that is something, right. too, that kind of relates to this, where the Sims are finding like, all right, there aren't very many good Eagle stacks where the ones we do have are very good ones. Yeah, exactly. It's a good way to look at it. Um, Troy asked, should you boost players? obviously talking about the Sims tool here, doing these ROI boosts. And if you guys, guys, there's still plenty of football left. Uh, it may, may seem like there isn't, but there is, especially with the postseason where they're running Monday games as well. Uh, the Sims tool for showdown has been purely dominant recently. Um, and we've had some huge winners. I know a lot of you guys already know this, but like Sims tool helped uh short gamer TV, take down a Millie earlier in the year, same day with a bunch of six figure wins. Uh, Tom split the chop the showdown a couple days, uh, a couple weeks ago. I've had some really nice showdown finishes using the Sims tool as well. Uh, I know you have on top of that. So links in the description, guys, you can do a week, you can do a month, but I uh, don't think football's over. It's still a super powerful tool. You're seeing how we use it here. You've got Saturday football today. You've got or tomorrow. You've got Sunday. You're going to have some massive showdown slates Saturday, Sunday, and Monday football next week. So um, yeah, you want to jump in for a week, play that however you want. I think you'll love these tools. I really do. Uh, anyway, let's go to let's go to running back exposures for a second here. And you make a good point. I've had that a lot this year where like if it wasn't for one lineup, I would have gotten destroyed on it. But that that's kind of the way you play. Alex yeah. Baker has always played it that way too. And that guy is one of the most winning winningest, most successful DFS, but Osimo himself, well, you know, form stochastic.com, formerly awesome.com. One of the most winning players ever. He's always said like, he loves having lineups that aren't necessarily competing against themselves. It doesn't mean that he's not going to have overlapping exposures. Obviously you are, but he's always had that mindset where like, if he can get lineups that aren't competing against themselves, all it takes is one. Yep. Yeah, and that was the case for me last week. And, I mean, that's also going to be the case pretty oftentimes. Like, if you have 10 lineups that you're playing and the only difference across those 10 lineups is one player difference across all of them, it's not that much different than just playing the same lineup 10 times where you are really competing against yourself in those lineups. So it does lower your ROI if you're playing lineups that are extremely similar. So, yes, we have to broach this subject. Do you do you boost those players? We have to talk about incentives. The way I look at incentives is one, they're largely inactionable. Like you can't, there's almost every time with incentives, there's very little that you can do 
that's actionable, particularly from a betting standpoint. From a betting standpoint, these books bake everything into those props. I personally think they're very fun to look at. I, I love looking at incentives. They're fun. Like it's a fun thing to do. If you go into it with the mind mentality, like they largely don't mean anything. Troy said though, uh, one that jumps out is Hopkins. So yes, if there was one player on this slate where I say, maybe they do look to, to do something here, it would be Hopkins because they don't have anything to play for. They're at home. He has some incentives. If you have incentives on a team that needs to win, that means nothing to me. Like you, you care about winning and that's it. If the guy gets there, I promise you, they didn't get there because they had $125,000 incentive to hit this yardage mark. They got there because they're the best player at the position and they got fed the rock or they got targeted. But the Hopkins one is the only one that jumps off to me. I tweeted it earlier this week, Greg, that yeah, seven receptions, 39 yards, two touchdowns. That would be three quarter mil, but also I mean, seven receptions for 40 yards isn't enough anyway. You'd need yeah. those two touchdowns, but you also have Will Levis or Ryan Tannehill throwing him the football against the Jags team that needs to win. So those incentives don't do much for us if he doesn't get in the end zone twice. It also, he could hit the incentive and still like, what, what does it matter? Like you That's what I mean. Yeah, if he, if he has seven catches for 50 yards, like cool, he hit all of his incentives. He probably had a fairly shitty fantasy game. And the other side of this too is with some of these incentives, if it was that easy to accumulate statistics over the course of the season, the players would just do it. It's not like a guy is like, oh my God, I, I need uh, 300 yards and I make a million dollars week 17. I'll go get 300 yards. It's like not as easy as that. And then there are some players like Hopkins who the incentive, it's a fairly low bar, 49 yards or 39 yards. I forgot exactly what you said the number was. Yards, yeah. And then on top of that, you also still have to consider as well that kind of something we talked about before. This is baked into betting lines like there people think about some of these angles and they think that like they have discovered something that some ed, the books know about it too when they're of setting course. lines where like people would say stuff like hey i'm gonna bet on this team because this is a west coast team coming east or whatever travels involved the books know this too it's not like they're like oh shit this team's at home and this team's on the rope they know they know what's up so with that in mind Think about these incentives and understand you are not the only one who has access to this information. It is priced into the betting lines on the books, and the betting lines are also baked into our projection. So it is accounted for in our data. Of course. Yeah, I mentioned it. Yeah, exactly. It's in the data to begin with. Somebody tweeted me the other day when I threw some of them out there and was like, oh, you had to give it away. Huh? And I told him, I said, like, dude, this is not secret. I literally Googled all of these and put them yeah. into a tweet. <laughs> you know, that's all it is. Yeah, I mean, I know there was one guy who uh, was, was telling that. people to bet lines that didn't exist yet because yeah, of Yeah, like go, go bet Chris Jones over 0.5 sacks. Like, well, what if the line's minus 400? What if it's plus Bet it yards? anyway. Parlay it with Eckler <laughs> over 110 <Yeah>. total yards. <laughs> like, you have to know what the lines are before you tell exactly. people to go bet something. Like I said, it's fun. I think week 18 looking at incentives is fun, okay? Yeah. It is. And you know what? There will be times like team, you know, teams have tried to get Mike Evans, his thousand yard seasons. Every time. Like sure. there are, I also don't totally agree with people say, oh no, well, you know, the like executives are going to actively work against this happening. That's not always true either. There's going to be coaches and quarterbacks that try to get a guy paid for sure. But the situation has to be perfect for it. Like this situation with Puka Nakua, 
that's you, it's not actionable because Puka Nakua, they could go out there, get him his 28, 29 yards, break the record, and then he's immediately gone from the game. There is zero chance that if he gets to that number, Greg, in the first first half, that he ever comes back. And another thing, too, about this is it matters sometimes. And the problem with that is it's very obvious in hindsight when it matters. So there was one video that went viral a couple of years ago where Gronk needed, it was like eight or nine catches to get some sort of incentive bonus. It was for like a pretty significant amount of money, like $750,000, a million dollars, something like that. And there was video of Tom Brady rallying up the offense and he's going, guys, we have to get Gronk his eight, nine catches today. And so like in that situation, yes, it's very apparent in hindsight, they went out of their way to get Gronkowski the extra catches so they could reach his incentive bonus. The problem, though, is that some teams are not going to prioritize it. Exactly. And there's no way to know that until after the event has actually happened. So before the games are played, it's not really all that actionable because we don't really know how they're going to approach it. And it's the same sort of thing where people talk about like revenge games for players, where if you look at the overall data of players against former teams, this is really across any sport, it doesn't change their fantasy production. But in individual cases, it certainly does. You just don't know until after the games are played. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not a black and white approach at all. Anyway, take a look at running backs here. Now, this is where things are going to get very, very interesting for us. Before we do, though, guys, prize picks. You know it already. $100 first match deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. Are you there yet? Are you taking advantage of the free squares that they give out all the time? Are you grabbing the $100 bonus that you're not getting at any of the other spots that you're already at? If you're not, not necessarily sure what you're waiting for. Link in the description and in the chat. You look at prize picks and they've set it up in a way where it's easy to do, but also a way that puts you in a position where you can actually win real money and a lot of it. And that's why it's so big right now. That's, I mean, literally, that is the exact reason why prize picks is so popular right now. Because, first of all, the, the interface, just the, the, the user experience is awesome. They have an insane amount of of options across any sport you can think of they even have more sometimes than than traditional sports books have like if you look at football for this week and of course if you're in non-legal betting states this is one of the ways to clearly scratch that itch and get in on these dfs pick'em games where you can up to what 25 extra entry on six plays 10 exit on five but even if you only win, get four or five right you're still two xing you still make money back on three or five. At a traditional book, if you get four or five, they say, thank you for your business. We'll see you next time. You get nothing in return. But I don't know, Greg, when you look at prize picks, they've got so many different options that you can choose from. Now, look, I'm not somebody that's ever grabbing like total punts and stuff like that or total dunks, but there's so many different ways to, to, to skin the cat here on prize picks. And now they've introduced the demons and goblins where there's essentially alt lines that you can grab if you feel like a player is going to have a very good game or you think you have the finger on the pulse of something like that. So they just keep innovating there. Yeah, and one of the best parts too is that we have projections for prize picks over an odd shopper. When you sign up at prize picks with our link, you get a free subscription odd shopper as well. So there are a lot of markets there, like Lafayette had mentioned, but we have the data and tools over at Odd Shopper, they're going to help you build the best possible cards over on Prospects. We have a prize picks builder on the site, which number one, it's just going to automatically preload in whatever our highest projected card for the day is on Prospects. So you can build your own in that as well. It's going to tell you 
the percentage of time it wins, what your expected return is on those, and you do get that for free when you sign up at PrizePix using our link. Hell yeah, man. Full month, $50 value, plus 100% first match deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. If you're not there, check it out. I'm sure they will have free squares going into these Saturday and Sunday games. So just another way to spread your money around. Make sure you're getting a bonus everywhere, free squares everywhere, shopping the lines as you would at any sports book. Same thing applies here. All right, so if we're looking at running backs, how comfortable would you be going into this slate with that Tony Pollard exposure? Things will change, but how comfortable would you be? Not very because he sucked this year. But, <laughs> but at the same time, too, if you look at the situation, this is a team that has something to play for, which is you know not the case with a lot of the teams on the slate. They have a very good offense, the Dallas Cowboys, and they're going up against one of the worst defense in football in the Washington Commanders. So there is going to be a lot of opportunity for Tony Pollard in this game. There's basically an infinite amount of value on the slate, and so it is fairly easy to get yourself up to Tony Pollard at running back. And then also, most of the pay-up running backs that we would normally be interested this week, Lofi, aren't playing. We don't have Christian McCaffrey. Alvin Kamara, you mentioned, we're not expecting Kamara to be out there. Uh, Pacheco, his status is up in the Kyron air. Williams has got, yeah. is out. So we've got all of these guys, all this value on the slate, and we have to spend up somewhere, and there just aren't that many spend-up running backs available to us. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. The opportunity cost with like a Rashad White is not that high. Uh, we're only getting 5% right now, but uh, yeah, I might make some, I don't know if I want to go into a slate with, with 90% Pollard and, and 83% Jordan Mason for 13 games. I just think there's, there's so many ways for that. I mean, look, if it goes right, you just, you've had the, you've had the week of your life of your life. But you need it to really go right. And and do we even know if Elijah Mitchell's out yet? Uh, I know he was listed as questionable. Let's see. What's the latest report on Elijah Mitchell? Limited yesterday. Yeah, limited due to an illness. You know, illness. I tend to think he's probably going to be okay for Sunday. I could be wrong. Maybe they just be really cautious with him because it's the game doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, I do think that if we end up seeing him in, then that's just going to naturally lower down our exposure, Jordan Mason, anyway, because our projections currently assume that Mitchell's going to be out. For sure. Jacob, can you scroll down? I want to see if we have any Pierre Strong lineups. We don't. Because my thinking was, even though they're playing a Cincinnati team that'll have their starters, good chance that Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunter are out. Yeah, and let's see. Are they officially out. I think they're still in, in our projections right now. Oh, well, if that's the case, then, then that's different. Yeah. Let's see. Cincinnati, Cleveland. And yeah. So I think because Ford isn't on the injury report and then Kareem Hunt's listed as questionable, we've got both of them in right now. Okay. So that that's a little bit different. I, Okay, I'll ask you this then, because we're looking at exposures, and we already talked about what we plan on doing with Detroit. If we don't have any real clarification going into Sunday, we talked about how we would de-boost this Detroit team, and I think I think I would do the same, especially at their price points. They're not discounted as a result. If you were going in, and this is what you ran on Sunday at twelve thirty, let's just say nothing changes. What would you do about those those running back exposures personally? How would how would you use yeah. this tool? 
Sure. So if I was going into Sunday and I actually was getting here, 90% Tony Pollard, 83% Jordan Mason. Now the Mason situation is very unique in terms of like, we've kind of taken a stand that Elijah Mitchell is going to be out. But if Mitchell's actually out, I wouldn't have an issue with getting to as much Jordan Mason as I do. I'd be more inclined to lower Tony Pollard, leave Jordan Mason as is, and then maybe boost up some other expensive running backs, or at least relatively expensive. Like maybe I'd boost Aaron Jones up a little bit, Jameer. Ah, actually, Jameer Gibbs I'd be inclined to take out entirely because of what we talked about before. But like Aaron Jones, Rashad White, Zeke, maybe boost them up a little bit, and then that would make the exposure a little bit flatter across guys who are not like punt running backs. Yeah. Okay. One more thing I want to do is is just take one more look at tight ends. Because we looked at Johnny Mund. I didn't look at anything else. Spread out. I was going to, yeah. And then go to wide receivers real quick. That's relatively spread out too. It, it looks like right now the only one that isn't is running back. Yeah, running back really condensed. I mean, tight end, we had Trey McBride was our only guy, over 20%. Wide receiver, I understand why we get as much exposure as we do to these pay-up wide receivers. We have this salary that we have to spend somewhere. There aren't that many running backs to pay up for. We have Jordan Mason projected really well, so you want to have him in lineups. So it makes sense that Chase, Olave, Lamb, Jefferson, we get to a whole bunch of them. You just have to spend that salary somewhere. What else do you want to look at before we go? This has been a very fun show. They, they, we couldn't do week 18 shows every week. Just <laughs> wouldn't be plausible. Because uh, you'd have to just shuffle the deck on every team just to keep players cheap every week. But it's just fun. Like this is I, I love doing this and seeing what the tools are giving us and what they'll give us in the coming days. Anything else you want to talk about or look at for the most unique week in the NFL season? No, you know, uh, so being honest, I've typically not played a lot of week 18 in the past, and I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do with it this week, just because it's something that it's it's not been for me in the past. I've never known what to make of people's workloads. But now that we have the Sims tool, I'm probably going to be more inclined to play it. I'll throw like 150 lineups in the $5 and uh, just see what the Sims end up giving me, because I am pretty interested in the kind of builds that we're getting to here. And it makes me feel better about the slate than I did coming into the show. Yeah, absolutely. Also, it doesn't hurt either that on a week 18 site, instead of having 16 games, we have 13 now. True. True. There's the the Saturday games. That certainly helps and spreads it out a little bit. And with Sunday night, they've had it some years. They haven't had it other years. But we have that again. I know we had it last year, but we have that again. So three games might not seem like a lot, but I think it is. Like when you're when you're cutting that off and you've got 13 now, that's it's significant, but you're right. The Sims tool is going, th- th- that's why I love this because you know that the Sims tool, you know, it's working when you look at it and it's just giving us totally different types of builds than it has in previous weeks. Like we're not seeing the QB plus threes. We're not seeing the double tight ends because this slate is so different and so unique. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm interested to see what the results end up being. And yeah, as we know, nothing. N- my entire interpretation of Week 18 for the next year is going to depend on whatever I end up doing with my yeah. <laughs> If it goes well, I'll be like, oh, shit, I'm playing Week 18 again. Yeah, next year, yeah you're poorly, only going to play like, Week 18 next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if I shit the bed, then I'll be like, yeah, this is why I never play Week 18. Exactly. That's how we do it. Look, we're reasonable, yeah. rational people. Rational people. Uh, anyway, guys. Like I said, still football to go. You may think the season's over. It is not even close to over yet. 
especially with the massive prize pools you're going to see. If you look in the description, you'll see the Sims tool, Max or the, the data package, whichever one, depending on, you know, if you're playing smaller contests or if you're playing large field MME contests, lineup generators down there too. Uh, we got you covered on everything. And if you're not on prize picks, check them out. By the way, DMs are open. I know Greg does the same. If you ever have any questions about this stuff, you're looking for the tutorials, whatever, you can't find them for the Sims or anything else we do, or just have questions about whatever, hit us up. Our DMs are open over on Twitter. And, and I, I know Greg's the same, but always happy to answer your questions, even if we don't get to them in the first 10 minutes. So just know that. Follow Greg at G. Ehrenberg DFS, me at Lafay underscore D. Again, phenomenal stuff with Jacob helping us out here behind the scenes. It goes a long way. And uh, appreciate you guys. Have a great weekend. Greg and uh, Greg, you're going to be with Neil tomorrow? Yep, going to be doing uh, not tournament strategy, but we're going to be doing a live before lock for the Saturday games tomorrow. So go check that out. We didn't cover the Saturday show, uh, the Saturday slate on this show, but we'll be doing it tomorrow. Let me ask you guys a question. Don't leave yet. Mm -hmm. This is a conversation Greg and I were having. I want to I get the people's opinion on this. So if it's like a, a two-game slate, right, and it's, say, Saturday, and let's say, Greg, it starts at four, let's just say four, would you rather have a three o'clock live before lock or would you rather have like a one or two o'clock show that doesn't go straight up to lock, but it's like an hour or two ahead of the actual lock time? Because we there's reasons for us to do both. Greg has made some great points. I think I've made some pretty good points. Um, but I'd like to know what you guys would prefer on a, on something like sometimes you just got to ask the, the, the people that watch the shows, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna. I mean, like you and I, when we go back and forth about it, we don't, we don't know. And then the first two answers we get in, by the way, Stephen Leibowitz says three, Jake Dewitt says one to two, which yeah. also doesn't, which, which also is kind. Of, I don't have a strong opinion on it, and I think there's pros and cons to uh, to both ways. For this particular slate, though, I actually do have uh, more of a, of an opinion compared to the other times we've talked about it because this is week 18. I'd rather do it leading up to lock because I don't know what news could break in between. For sure. That's uh, a great point. But I, I agree with you for like some of the the playoff, like playoffs, like we're not going to be waiting on news because no. it's the playoffs. We know the starters are playing. And even though if like you had it, say it's a three, say it's a four o'clock lock. If you had the show go from two to three, you'd still have a full half hour with inactives. You'd still know the inactives for those. So I don't know. You guys let us know on Twitter. If you ever have suggestions, please like reach out to us. Um, this stuff's valuable to us and believe it or not, we do make changes if your suggestions are meaningful and, and we think it could help the whole experience here. So anyway, good stuff, brother. This is it. Yeah. Final, final week of the it's, NFL season has gone very, very fast, but I'm looking forward to doing some of the playoffs slates. We're still going to be doing the show for the playoffs and we're going to be able to cover probably a few different slates when we're doing the show. So like next week, we'll do the Saturday slate. We'll do the Sunday slate. We'll break them out and uh, we'll see what it looks like building some laps on the smaller slates. Yeah, man, it's going to be fun. Appreciate you guys as always. Have a great rest of the day. Good weekend. We'll see you Saturday. We'll see you Sunday. We'll see you every day right here on the Stochastic YouTube channel. Peace.